Welcome to Bricks and Brownstones, your source for all things Boston real estate. I'm your host, Alexander Salmon from Douglas Elliman, real estate agent and uh, connoisseur, I guess. And with me today, I have Ricky Bellavo, owner and CEO of Volney Capital. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, happy Good. to be here. Great to have you. So, um, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you started Volney. So uh, you were in finance before that, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. So I was at Wellington Management for six years. While working in finance, though, I started buying real estate. So it was kind of a transition from being in finance, buying real estate, and then got to the point where I was able to make the transition to real estate full-time. Right. That's really cool. So when uh, when were you able to make that transition full-time? How long have you been? So yeah, so I, I, I graduated from Northeastern in 2010 okay. and started immediately working in finance. And I bought my first rental property in December of 2010. Okay. So it was pretty quick after being, you know, working. It was about six, I think it was, you, you need to work for about six months to be able to qualify. I think yeah. I was about eight months or something before I could buy my first property. It was almost right on that line. What about that appealed to you? Because, I mean, not a, I think a lot of people kind of have that idea of it. Like, you went out and did it. So, I, while in Northeastern, I took a class on real estate finance. And while in that class, we actually did our capstone paper and my group decided to do rental properties in Boston. Okay. And so we picked different neighborhoods that we could buy a property and we pretty much did an analysis, kind of like I would do today, right. figuring out what the cap rate would be, what the cash flow would be, and you know, if it was a good investment. And one of the buildings we actually selected and the one we actually purchased in our in our project was on Mission Hill oh, near wow. Northeastern. Okay, yeah. Um, so my hypothetical capstone project was buying a multifamily on Mission Hill. And then that kind of opened my eyes to the opportunity that was there. And what had really happened was, you know, from 2007 to 2010, the property values had stayed exactly even in Mission Hill. It even ticked down slightly. Okay. And the rents for college kids had continued to climb. Yeah. Right? So as all the colleges continued to grow, the rents kept going up. And so what you'd seen is there actually was an opportunity there because building prices had maintained steady, rents had climbed, and the buildings still were just sitting on the market. Right. And so after doing the paper, I realized that there was something to be, you know, something here. Yeah. Um, and then, so once I started working full time, my mom actually inherited some cash. Okay. Um, her like great uncle passed away and she inherited some money. And I said to her, I said, you know, mom, I'm working full time now. I want to buy a rental property in Boston. Here's my paper. I think it can really work. I think this can be a good buy. And then at that point, she said yes. Cool. So my mom gifted me the money to put up for the down payment. Um, so you can get gifts from, you know, you right. can get gifts tax-free from your parents, even for uh, FHA, FHA purchases. Yeah. Um, you can get gifted money. So I got gifted my down payment money, and then I was using my own money as well as some of the gifted money to do the renovations on that first building. Okay. Was that in Mission Hill? Yes. All right. So that's where it all started. It all started on Mission Hill. That's yeah. awesome. Mission yeah. Thrill. Yeah. yeah. Right. So did you? I mean, did you start Volney Capital to manage it then, or that came much later? No. So right. Volney Capital didn't really form until probably about three or four years ago. Okay. So although the business was being built, it was there was no entity, there was no brand. It was just just me buying rental buildings. All right. So she was a sole landlord. Yeah. Buying them, fixing them up, renting right. them. Right. Renting them, and then you know doing that. So I did that. Pretty much for the first three years, I did one per year. Okay, so as the Mission Hill one got more successful, you 
had the money to be able to do more. Exactly. So after a year of the first Mission Hill one, I was able to then buy a second Mission Hill property. Um, and so I bought a four family on Mission Hill using the money I'd been earning on the rent. Um, and then I was able to buy that property. Back then in 2011, you could still do multiple FHA loans. Okay. Nowadays, you can only have one yeah. FHA loan attached to you, but they weren't back then. There's no one buying and there wasn't being policed like it is today. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't PMI back then. Like no one, there, that hadn't formed yet. Um, right. So I was able to buy both as, you know, three and a half percent down. Okay. For very small down payments. Yeah. Um, and then, so we did the two on Mission Hill, then moved, made the move to South Boston. Um, and then after about a four year period of three projects, I was then able to cash out, refinance those, and move into the development business. Okay. What What about the development business appealed to you at that point? So, honestly, I didn't even really want to be in the development business. I looked at it more, I wanted to continue to grow my real estate portfolio. And at the time, prices had climbed so much that the opportunities to buy good rentals had become harder. Okay. And I was getting beat on every offer I was putting in on multifamily. So I would do my analysis that I would do in my Excel file. Right. I'd come up with what I think I can pay, and I'd be getting beat by like 50 grand. Oh. Right? Over and over. Yeah. And so at that point, I had to reset and say like, all right, this isn't working. Like, yeah. And if I want to continue to grow, I got to do something. Right. So at that point, I was like, well, what about doing condos? Like, what if I build, what if I buy a building, make it into condos and sell it? Right. Right? And I was like, you know, there was in East Boston, which is where I was trying to buy at the time. I really wanted to buy an Eastie. Okay. I heard like whispers and this was like four or five years ago. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, Eastie was a good buy. It was going to be a good buy. And like okay. people were buying there. All the like people who knew what they were doing were buying there. So I knew I wanted to get there, but all these big time firms were beating me out yeah. on every offer because they were just buying up every building. Right. Um, and so at that point, I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and so I cash out refinanced my three buildings that I owned and took that money and I was getting, uh, got into my first development project. Okay. Then which one was that? So that was uh, 108 Bennington Street, okay. which is uh, it was a three family. I bought it for 500000 okay. at the time. 3,000 square feet for 500K, yeah. which is... Wow. Right. Yeah. It's crazy that that's, that's a wow now. Right. It's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, and so I was really, you know, I bought the building. I actually brought my dad in as a partner um, because when I did my cash out refinance, I was supposed to be getting in about 700,000 from my three buildings. Right. From the three cash out refinances. And uh, like two weeks before the cash out, the bank said that they weren't comfortable giving me... Uh, seven hundred thousand dollars. So instead of it was supposed to be up to seventy five percent LTV, right. they decided they only wanted to give me one hundred k per building. Oh man! So all of a sudden, I only had three hundred k. Yeah. And that wasn't enough to do the project. So right. I brought my father in as a partner, and so he came in and he put up some money. So he put up one hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Uh, which we used for the down payment, and then I used my three hundred thousand to do construction. Okay. And then another about 65 or 70 on credit cards to finish it oh wow and then got the job you know finished it off right um but that was a great project ended up selling the condos for it's crazy to think 365 385 410 how many bedrooms did that two bed one baths wow uh, yeah all two bed one baths yeah so still though crazy prices i know and uh you know we made about two hundred fifty thousand on it okay and so i Bad negotiating on my point. I put up double the money and my dad took half the money. <laughs> so it was a 50-50 partnership. So I did all the work and then he took half the money. So 
um, but then took that one and then rolled that into another project. The next one, yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until the third one, when I was midway through that, was when my architect said to me, he's like, I mean, you're kind of in this business now. Right. You might want to start a brand. He's like, you know, you, you know, you kind of, you're just doing it with your own name. You know, you might want to do this more of like a formal, like, you know, formal structure, or like have a brand. So that, yeah. at that point is when I kind of launched Volney Capital. Okay. Were you still in finance at that point, or were you out then? Still in finance. Oh wow! So that 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 last that was the last project. Uh, when that project finishes, when I left Wellington. Okay. So it was like my third flip is when I left uh, finance. Okay, so you made that jump for like four years till you were really, really in. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was a while, and like I talked to newbies and I talked to people all the time about getting into this real estate, and I recommend. You know, obviously I'm biased, but I think following my structure because it allows you to get loans, right? Yeah. And it allows you, if you have a full-time job, you can qualify for a loan. Right. You don't have to use all hard money. You don't have to use all investor money. You can actually get financing. Yeah. Um, so it's a better way to build a long-term business um, than just like quitting your job. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so if you just quit your job and you get into it, you end up paying tons of money on fees, tons of money to investors, tons of money to hard money lenders. And in the end, at the end of the deal, you're just living off the money. You're not building any equity. Yeah, because you, you owe all these entities for helping you get your start. That's incredible, especially because it sounds like you kind of stumbled into it. If everything it works the way, I mean, obviously you're smart and you went about it the right way, but ideally, you would have just been buying up rental properties if things had gone the way you would originally hoped they would. Right, and I think that's when I talk to people and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's like times were different when you got started, and that's what right. people are always going to say. And it, what Times were different, but it was also the idea of having to pivot and understanding that like I couldn't do what I was doing because I was failing and yeah. it wouldn't work. So like nowadays, people who are trying to get into this business, they also have to understand that there's like they have to find other avenues of how to you know work their way into the business. Yeah, we well have to adapt with the times because probably a lot of people would have, and maybe there are some people who did the same, you know, kind of went about it the same way, and they said, oh, you know, this isn't for me. I'm gonna just stick with finance because it's safe and it's good and. You know, it, it's a sure thing, and you know this didn't work out the way I wanted. Right. But you, were, you know, approached it a different way, which is awesome. And now, you know, Volney Capital, talk about building a brand. You have like seventeen thousand followers on Instagram or something. So yeah. you, know, you built, you built quite the brand. So how did you go about build? I mean, building the development. I guess that's one thing. What really went into building the brand? So. So first off, my architect said to me, he's like, well, we got to come up with a name. Right. Right. And so like, what are you going to call yourself? And so I, he was like, I'll help you. He's like, I like to do that stuff. I'm like, cool. he's like, yeah. I, I, I'll come up with the names. So like, let's go away for a week and come back with like each of us have four or five names that we think and we'll throw them on it. We'll email them and we'll say, hey, what do you think? Yeah. And both of us came back with Volney something like Volney Real Estate or Volney uh, real estate development and okay. the, the reason for that is because he we both put my name into ancestry.com okay and it comes out that my family originates from Volney France really okay so, cool yeah yeah so he did the same thing he, he yeah. put it in no kidding. it comes out that the you know Bellevo originates in Volney France so immediately he said oh Volney that's a great you know and he so we both did it we debated between like Volney Real Estate Development, Volney Real Estate, and then I liked Volney Capital. I just felt it like gave it a larger picture for a brand than looking yeah. at it. And, you know, a lot of times when you're going into these deals, you know, 
presenting a not just being an individual and looking like you're a big firm right. gives you a lot more buying power. Right? When you're working with a seller or working with an agent and you look like you're coming in with a lot more capital, it gives you abilities to kind of negotiate you know, more in your favor. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. And it just like, it kind of flows like the whole day. Because yeah. then you're also, because you're Ricky Volney, so it's like the two wise. Yeah. It's like Rick Ross, Ricky Rose. <laughs> yeah. That's actually where I kind of thought you came up with it. I'm like, you know, because well, it kind of sound like me. Well, now I get people calling me, but they think it's my last name. Okay. Like, you know, people like be like, oh, like, like Ricky Volney. I'm like, no, no, not my last name. <laughs> it's not me. It's, that's my Instagram tag right. handle is Ricky Volney, but not my last name. Yeah. So then how did, I mean, you know, kind of, so you started with, you know, yourself and then your dad got involved and then how did you hook up with like your architect and everybody else who kind of makes everything come together? So yeah, so I look, you know, I always tell everyone, I'm like, you got to look who's close to you, right? You got to right. look at your friends. Like, if you look at how the business was built, like, I played soccer in Northeastern, okay. right? And my the first deal I ever bought, my two real the broker on the deal, and then my real estate agent on the deal were kids who I played soccer with. Yeah. So they helped me find my first building. Right. They actually took cuts on their commissions to make it so I could qualify. Yeah. For the loan. So like they were like my you know best friends that like helped me get it done. Yeah. Then when I started moving into the game of development, my buddy who I played soccer with in Northeastern was an architect. Okay. Reached out to him. I said, Hey, you wanna work with me? You wanna like help me do this, figure this out? So I was able to ask him, you know, questions and I hired him to do my first uh, set of plans. Um, my uncle owns Back Bay Design Corporation. Okay. So they used to build, they used to do renovations in the city. Now they build like houses out in Winchester. Oh, wow. Okay. And so when I started on my first building, I had no idea what I was doing. I never yeah. did construction. Like right. I, I was a, I was a, you know, no calluses. I'm working in finance. So yeah. I reached out to him and I stole some of his workers and had them come and show me the ropes and help me out figuring out how to lay tile and do work and, you know, do construction and stuff. Um, so kind of looking at the people around you and networking and asking questions and meeting with people and like, you know, that's the best way to do it. It's like, if you can, if you trust someone and then you can ask them like, Hey, do you know someone I can work with? Yeah. And they'll introduce you. That's the best way to do it. Um, you know, just going randomly online and trying to find someone, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah. I was curious about that. Cause I mean, working in real estate or, you know, being a, agent that's kind of the same way most of the deals come from either people you know or friends of people that they know sometimes it's random people that come to you but you know that's different and those never go quite as smoothly so yeah to get a core team of people you trust yeah that makes a lot of sense same thing so you know with my attorney that I originally so my actually my landlord from college I knew owned a ton of buildings on Mission Hill and as I was getting started, I reached out to him and I was like, can I sit down and grab coffee with you? It's like, you used to be my landlord. I know you own like 70 buildings. Yeah. Like, I just want to pick your brain. And I, I sat down with him. I was like, and I just started, okay, can I have your attorney's contact information? Can I have your architect? Yeah. Can I have your accountant? He was like, no to my architect, <laughs> no to my accountant. You can have my attorney's information. And, and I was like, okay, I'll take right. that. So that's how I met my first real estate attorney. And he actually still represents me on all my zoning deals. That's awesome. Um, and then from my uh, EJO General Contracting, who's my GC now, Jack yeah. Wardway. So when my uncle finally pulled the plug on me and told me, be a big boy, get your own <laughs> guys, 
Um, How long did that take? So it was at, uh, the first three projects I used my uncle's guys. All right. Um, and just like at night, they'd work with me at night after the after work. Yeah. Um, but then on to the big project in Eastie, he was like, you, dude, you can't have my guys coming and working at night for you. Like you got to get a GC. You got to do this like the right way. Yeah. And so that at that time I had the building, I was ready to go, and I had to like realize that this isn't going to happen right away. So it took me probably three months of interviewing GCs and getting quotes. Right. And I met Jack through one of my good friends. Uh, you know, actually the kid who was my the broker on the first deal yeah. introduced me to a guy who used to work for Jack. And uh, the guy came and quoted it out and was like, hey, you know what, I'm like, you should meet Jack, he'd be great for this project, you guys would get along. So introductions through drinking friends and then I yeah. met Jack. He wasn't the lowest quote, he wasn't the highest quote, but I just felt that like him and I got along. Yeah, you trusted him. Trusted him, like we had a good chemistry and I was like, this is the guy I'm gonna hire and now he's done every project for me for the past four years. That's awesome, so. yeah. That man was great, yeah. So then from there, how, like, I mean, like I said, you have this sizable following. Now you have your team in place and you're doing great work. How did you sort of get the word out that, you know, your Volnay Capital has these development projects and they're awesome? So yeah, so I definitely, I took a different route than most people. Like, I went really hard on social media. Yeah. You know, so like I... So one of my other business I own is I own El Toro Vets, which is like a bar crawl company. Okay. So I started that back in college. All and right. So we do we do five bar crawls a year. They and they have people between like a thousand and three thousand people. In each oh wow. One. And so I'd always been big in social media yeah. and like selling tickets via social media, running social media ads. So I felt that I would take that same route. Yeah. And so I sold the first three condos I sold all through Facebook. Right. Facebook ads, and, and that's how I sold them. No, didn't didn't put them on the market or anything. Yeah. I just sold them through social media. And so I took that direction and I've built it solely through almost almost every condo I've ever sold over the past four years has been sold not on the market. Yeah. Only through brand. And right. through people who know me, through emails or through Facebook ads or Instagram ads. Yeah, so you I mean I know you've built your email list. Right. Yeah. So email yeah. list is I and like the thing is like I took the time to build that email yeah. list. Like I I sat down and like found email addresses. Yeah. You know, like I went through and I went through every broker like who what I do. I think I ran a report for all the, the most successful brokers in Eastie, Chelsea, Southie, uh, Dorchester, and ran the report. It came out with the top hundred in every yeah. market, and I found everyone's email addresses. Right. So like, yeah, no, that's time, that, that you know? takes time. Yeah, yeah. but sure. it gave me all the all the people I wanted to work with. Yeah, and now so. yeah, they'll bring their buyers into you because yeah, no, I'm, I remember. I think on your what is it the Trenton Street project originally wasn't one of them on the market and it, you know like it, it winded up that you sold them yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 So in the end, yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. There's also a different type of relationship when a buyer meets the person who's building it. Yeah. It, it makes it much more personal, like personal. When you can talk to someone about like what you're doing and why you're doing it and all the thought that went into building it. Why I put the kitchen here? What right. you know? There's just a lot more. That, there's a lot more emotion that gets into the deal, and when you start like explaining to someone how much effort you've put in to build their home, they just they fall in love with it. Yeah. Right. And and you it's it's more than walking into something and just being like, oh, this is just a condo. It's like no, this is like this has been created from like dust. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. With a lot. I mean, you know, the attention to detail is. Yeah, I, I walked through both projects. They're amazing. Every, you know, everything's oh, so you. well thought out. Yeah. 
So, what do you look for in a project? So, it's a lot different as as I've grown in the business. Now I yeah. look at different things than than I used to. Right. So, but from a newbie perspective, and the way I I still look at this, you know, from a rental perspective, is you know if you look at the property and if you're going to buy a rental, you can almost figure out ninety five percent on Excel whether it's something you should go look at or not. Yeah. Right. And so, like, the reason I say that is like, there's no need to be running around the city and like looking at all these buildings because you should know on paper whether it's a good buy or not like most of it can be figured out just by running the numbers yeah right you can figure out what you know what the rents are in that neighborhood you can find that online you can figure out all that and then you can work your way back into figuring out if it's a good buy or not right there are things you can discover when you're there and like it's you know maybe you can make an extra bedroom or maybe they miscalculated the square footage yeah right? it does happen right it does happen and there's things you can find but like a lot of the stuff is all there at your computer Right, so I look at things like a lot of times I'll be sitting right here or my phone will ring yeah. and like someone will have, will call me about something. I'll get called like five, ten times a day with some random uh, deal. Right, right of in course. parentheses, deal. Oh yeah, everybody right. thinks they're bringing exactly like something. And you know, yeah. most of them I quickly like I like they'll tell me where it is, the price. I'll be like, no, yeah. no, no. Then there'll be some that I'm like, I'll say, hey, let me call you back. And I'll sit there and I'll run some numbers on my phone. Yeah. Then there'll be those certain random ones once every couple months where it's like, that's a deal. Right. And it's yeah. because I, you know, I just, I know it's mispriced or I know there's a lot of upside in that area. Um, you know, now it's different because I'm doing a lot more ground up construction. Yeah. So I look at, I look at where it is, you know, where its location is, uh, how many units I can build there. Um, you know what neighborhoods it is it in are they pro development how big's the lot so these are different things now that I would never have thought of looking at before right um, so it kind of shifts it's like I said pivoting right you know before I was now I wouldn't even really I'm not even really considering buying a three family and making it into condos anymore okay so what's what's next for you then yeah so as you can see like those are, I did those for years yeah and now every project is uh, you know, some type of zoning project, right? right. So I'm buying, like, at Trenton Street. I bought a 6,000 square foot three family. Yeah. And I got the city and the neighborhood to let me turn it into a six family. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Suffolk Street, which you toured, which is in the water in Chelsea. Yeah. That was a, that was a two family. And I got the town of Chelsea to let me turn it into a four family. Yeah. Right. Do a couple additions and build up. And then now the ones all through Eastie that I'm doing are all either single families or two families that I'm knocking down and I'm building for families. For the ground up, yeah. You know, because you're able to pay, if you're able to pay someone the price for a single family and then get the neighborhood in the, in the city to let you build a four family, right. you immediately just made, you know, a lot of equity just because you were able to do that. Yeah. So what neighborhoods are kind of more pro-development than others? So I know Chelsea, though, it came out wonderfully, and that's definitely an area kind of on the rise, but I know it's the city and their permits, it's been kind of a pain point. Yeah, so I think everyone, I think Chelsea kind of presents themselves as pro-development, but what I've seen over there is they actually aren't as pro-development as they're presenting. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of hurdles. It's, it hasn't been as smooth over there as I expected, being yeah. that it, what they kind of are presenting to the city. Um, so I actually I feel that you're better off right now with development in the city, where you're working with the Boston Zoning Board, which they are very pro development right now. As you can see, Marty said he wants uh, a lot of units to yeah. be built, which that 
comes down to his appointed zoning board, which they're trying to be pro-development for more units. Yeah. So it kind of all flows together. But you got to remember also, every neighborhood has an association. Right. And you have to be careful which neighborhood. So like South Boston, for example, is very anti-development right now. Okay. Right? South Boston does not want, you know, the neighborhoods do not want development. So Southie's not a great place now. Eastie, yeah. Eastie depends on where you are. Right. right. There's some neighborhoods that are pro-development. There's others that they vote down every development. Right. Right. So like Eagle Hill is, is pro-development. Like they are pro, the certain, the right projects are getting approved. Orient Heights is and certain areas up there are denying every project. Um, you know, so it really depends. You got to, yeah. yeah. And I think for anyone who's trying to get into that space, it's really, you can go to those neighborhood meetings. They're public. Right. Right. So anyone who wants to learn more, you go and you can look up the neighborhood meetings. They're at night. It's seven o'clock. They last a couple hours. It's really interesting. Almost everything at the meeting is real estate. Yeah. There's almost nothing talked about other than development. So right. if you go and you sit, you'll see attorneys and developers presenting project after project. And you can kind of get the sense of how the room is and if people are getting approved or denied. Right. Um, or how the neighbors feel about it. Right. And it's a good way for a newbie to figure out, like, what they're looking for, right? If you, if you see what other projects are going on, then you can kind of see, well, maybe I can buy that three family and do an addition off the back. Right. right. And make my units much bigger. Now it makes sense. Yeah. You know, so, but those are things you wouldn't know unless you're feet on the ground. Yeah, for sure. No, that's really cool. So, uh, that being said, what neighborhoods are your favorite to work in? Is Eagle Hill kind of number one right now because they're so pro-development? Yeah, so as of right now, uh, it's definitely... Um, it's definitely Eagle Hill, which is in, in East Boston. That's where most of my projects are. That's where I'm like my main concentration is. Um, so that's kind of where I'm really sticking and concentrating. Yeah. I think from a you know future perspective, looking at growth, I think right. although Chelsea's giving me you know it's been a kind of a hard time, I do think there's going to be a lot of growth in Chelsea. If you look with the casino going up, yeah. You got they got the casino. You got Suffolk Downs. Right. Right. And so you have those two pillars. And then you have Everett and Chelsea and Eastie and Revere that are kind of pushed between the two of those. That whole area is gonna re- is gonna fill it. Yeah. You got you know because you, you know and then you got Assembly Row. So it's like Assembly Row, Casino, and then it's, uh, and then um, Suffolk Downs. Yeah. So that whole area up there is just gonna fill in with you know just a lot of opportunities. Yeah. Well, that's what I tell buyers all the time. That's why I wanted to ask you because yeah. I know you know with developing you know you're looking for the same things. You're looking for somewhere that ultimately people are gonna buy. Right. So yeah. No, I tell that I tell buyers about that all the time because. Even though right now it looks a certain way, you know, I tell them these are the deals right now that in five, ten years you're gonna be so mad at yourself if you don't do it because it's never in the city. It's it's never gonna be like that yeah, again. And, I mean, the city any, limits. Anytime you can get in somewhere where there's something occurring that you like, it's yeah. Everyone knows the casino's going up. It's very clear now. You can right. see it, and everyone knows that eventually something will happen at Suffolk Downs. There's still opportunities near them because people, it, it, it hasn't happened yet. Right. Right. So you can get in, you can buy a multi right now, and then, yeah, maybe in three to five years, you're going to see a huge jump in value. Right. Because once Suffolk Down starts under construction, then people see it, and yeah. they're like, whoa, that's going to be awesome. Because right. right now, it's still, no one knows what's going there. Yeah. Um, Could be Amazon. Right. But whatever it is, the... the company that owns it you know they have a plan b and they're so it's yeah it's already i mean they're already meeting they're going to eagle hill and all the ec meetings like every other month now it's either going to be an assembly row 
right? It's going to be retail. It's going to be right. condos. It's going to be rentals. It's going to be you know elder community buildings. All of that, or it's going to be Amazon. Yeah, exactly. So either way, it's a win. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so those are you know all those neighborhoods you just listed. Those are kind of the up and coming neighborhoods in the city. You think so? Chelsea, Eastie, Revere, Assembly Everett. Row, Everett. What do you think of Winthrop? So I think if you Winthrop's a wild, uh, kind of been wild lately. It's very, it's very hard to develop in Winthrop. Okay. Uh, so if it's it's very hard. They're very anti-development, um, but. I think that if you've looked at the values in Winthrop, they've gone crazy over the past two years. Yeah. Like the, I think, I mean, the condos over in Winthrop were selling at like two fifty uh, a foot about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and now the average is like three eighty. Yeah. So one hundred and thirty per foot increase right. over a two year period. So like that's, but I think now I think they've I think the reset has happened and now they're fairly priced. Right. Right. I don't think there's I don't think there's deals in Winthrop anymore. I think it's kind of where it's at. It might go up a little more, but it's it's caught up to where it should be. Yeah. I mean, it's just like to be on the water, you feel like you're in the Cape, see the skyline. It's a gorgeous yeah. town. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, what's your favorite project today? So I think it was out the probably when I it would be 349 Meridian Street, which was. That was my third development project. Okay. And that one was really when the brands, when I started the brand, and when we started really pushing forward with luxury finishes. Okay. I, you know, the first two projects were decent, but it wasn't at the level that we do now. And I think that was the first project we really took to the next level, where we brought the finishes up and we really put, you know, took the project from just being anyone else's project to like a high level finish yeah and you know we sold those for record highs you know numbers and I think that it was um, it really was the pivotal point when the brand became what it is today that's awesome yeah so what's next for Volde Capital with Eagle Hill have you an Eagle Hill or yeah so I think you know right now we have about 30 something condos in the pipeline oh wow so those are all whether they are under construction uh, already fully approved by the city or they're in the process of being approved so you know that's kind of the range uh, of where they're at right now cool. um, so over the next couple years we'll be you know, it's it's a long pipeline. So those right. are like, you know, we're right now we're about to break ground on two four-unit buildings. Okay. Uh, it will take us about ten months to build. So we'll be finishing up the ones we have going. We'll be building those, and then the ones that are in the zoning process now will hopefully be getting approved as long as the city approves them, and then we'll start those. So we'll kind of be, you know, continuing to you know keep the pipeline filled and keep uh, building. That's awesome. Are they all in East Boston? Or? All, all in East Boston. All in East Boston. That's really cool. So. I mean, obviously East Boston, it's this neighborhood kind of, uh, you know, it's changed a lot in the past several years. And, you know, you have these projects that are have been completed, are nearing completion, and then now, you know, you're about to do even more there. And when you're in the neighborhood, you know that you've impacted it in a, in a positive way. So, I, I mean, you must be really proud of that. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting as... You know, right now it's there's you know you see some projects. It's not like there's a that many. You know, I've done projects over there for four years. Yeah. But I think as it continues to grow and we do more and more, I think it's going to be really cool to see the neighborhood change and watch how it kind of inspires other people. When you do a gorgeous building, 
you all of a sudden it's you, it's pretty crazy. You start to see the guy across the street. Oh, maybe he, he hasn't done anything on his house. All of a sudden, he just do siding, right? Right, and he redoes his because it starts to be like people take more pride of ownership when they start to see nice stuff around them. Right. So it's like you, it's wild how like one building can start turning a street, right? Because people start to put more money in and it starts raising up the values and like right. it just starts to you know it starts to just gentrification of that neighborhood. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think I like to see that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Thank you for joining me on the on the show today. Uh, where can we find you on social media? So yeah, you can see you can find me at uh, Volney Capital on Instagram, Ricky Volney on Instagram, and you can go on onto our website, which is volneycapital.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for your time.